Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, makes his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him in all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and, th and it three therefore does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I served for many years at, um, well, for five years, it seemed like many, but uh, at the Cathedral of St. Philip, and one of the things that... Um, uh, the dean said at that time was, and it came to Christmas Eve when we were going to be televised, he said, we're not doing any, we don't do anything different. We do exactly the same thing that we do every other time we do Eucharist, and that way we don't have to worry about messing up, because we know how to do the regular stuff. And so when we change seasons, I was reminded this morning that even just a little bit of change, and we're still working choreography out up here, and by the time we get it all figured out, It'll be Christmas. So. <laughs> but didn't you like the way the candle refused to cooperate? What did we have to do? We had to wait on it. We had to wait for that flame to be ignited. And that's part of our process during Advent. Well, I want to talk a little bit about John the Baptizer this morning. For it, what was going on in Israel and Judah and around Jerusalem is that 
There hadn't been a word from God in a while, or at least any word that they had perceived to be from God. And they had been, I think could say, were hungry to hear the word of God from a prophet. Now we know also that the baptizer was not the only person baptizing. He is said to be, at least by some scholars, to have been less radical than the others and that Jesus could have been baptized from someone else, but he was baptized by John the Baptist because he too was not about overthrowing the government. And John was not about that either. Even this morning we hear from Matthew that he is preparing the way. He's not the one. He's preparing the way. And the person that is coming is so incredible, so wonderful, so awesome that John the baptizer is not even worthy to touch his sandals. Sets himself apart like that. So we've got a nation. We've got an area that's yearning to hear from God. And into this comes John the baptizer. Now, I don't know if he had a PR person working with him or not, but I have a feeling that he had something like one, in, perhaps in the spirit, because it would seem to me like if you hadn't heard from the prophets in a long time and you knew, the people knew they had heard what the prophets looked like, they knew how they dressed, they knew that many of them were rather different from the ordinary. So what does John the baptizer do? He doesn't just put on a robe and walk in down the Jordan River. He puts on a camel hair and a belt around him, a leather belt. And what else we know about John the baptizer is his diet. He was eating locusts and honey. Now somehow or other, I don't think this was a 450-pound guy marching around. <laughs> what do you think? I expect he was pretty lean and pretty honed, and all of it together would have been quite a sight. And of course, you add to that what everybody, all the others would probably would have had, which would have been long hair, long beard, camel hair, belt around the waist, this is probably someone you did not want to meet in a dark alley. <laughs> so he set himself up, if you please, to remind the people of something they had already experienced. At least they'd heard about the prophets of old. And then when he comes and starts talking to the people, again, the scholars say that he was such a preacher such a charismatic person that people that came that really had no intention of repenting found themselves in the waters of the Jordan, even with tears in their eyes as they repented their sins. There is a difference that we might want to point out here because when I was early in the church, I did not realize that the Jewish people baptized. And that was, of course, I learned that in confirmation, but that was, I was an adult, so 
But their baptism was this notion of washing clean and repenting. The difference that we have is that we see that as the first part, that we are buried in the water, we're dead to sin, and we raise to life eternal. So that with us, it is starts the same. It is our Jewish roots, the baptism, the washing, the cleansing of our sins. And then as a Christian, we are marked as Christ's own forever when the oil is put on our forehead. So we see ourselves as being taken into the family of God. But nevertheless, at this point, we are together on this understanding of baptism and cleansing. So here's John telling people to repent. And he looks up, and well, who should he see but a bunch of Sadducees and Pharisees? He is less than impressed. Largely because, in his mind, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are responsible for the mess that he's got to get the rest of the people to repent for. So, with that in mind, and I'm sure as clearly as he possibly can, he lets it loose. You brood of vipers! How come you're going to come in here and get all this? What do you think you're doing? You're just going to walk up here, get in the water, be baptized, be cleansed, and go home. I am not impressed. You have not cared for the widowed and the orphans. You have not looked out at the people you're supposed to be looking out for. You're a brood of vipers, a brood of snakes, poisoning the synagogues and the temple with your actions. You're not just going to come here today and say, I repent and go in the water and come out and go home and keep doing the same thing. So what does he say? This is very important. He says, you must bear the fruits of repentance. If you're going to come and you, the leaders of the church, the leaders of the synagogue, the leaders of the temple, if you're going to come here today and you say before all these people, you want to repent, then I want to see something change in the way you deal with other people. Because I'm here to prepare the way for the one who is to come. And that one who is to come cares about the widowed and the orphans, cares about the leper and the blind, cares about people that are not able to care for themselves. So I want to see you doing that. Now, if you want to do that, so be it. Enjoy your repentance. So now I want to try to switch just a little bit and do a 180. John the baptizer is presented to us in Advent because we need to feel his grittiness. We need to feel his harshness. 
We need that moment when we look at John the baptizer and say, is there some part in me that needs to repent? What do I need to repent? What, What am I doing? Didn't Doris talk last week about we're not so much a repenting season as an anticipatory season, as a season of preparation? But the repenting I'm talking about, or will be talking about, is the repenting that says that we want to be more like Jesus. It's the repenting that John was even talking about. He was saying, you people, you professional Christians, look around. Are you really doing what God asks of you? Are you really keeping the commandments? Are you really following the law? Are you really listening to Isaiah and the prophets? Are you just out on your own, doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it? Now, let's think about this. Inside Jesus Christ is some John the Baptist. He doesn't wear the camel's hair or the wide belt, and he doesn't eat honey and locusts. But he comes for us to change our ways. He comes to offer us cleansing. Cleansing. The cleansing that keeps us from being all that we could be. A whole person, fully human, in the image of God. An incarnational being with the gifts and the talent and the love and the compassion that our Lord has. Many years ago, I coined a term. It seems somewhat appropriate for this morning. The term is cardboard Jesus. A lot of us have a cardboard Jesus. You know, it's kind of flat. Not a whole lot of personality. Fold him up. Tuck him in a comfortable place if you don't want anybody to know you have one. Under the bed, in the closet. Cardboard Jesus. Comes Lent, sometimes we get him out, shake him out. Think about it a little bit. But we still don't flesh him out a whole lot. Advent comes along and demands of us that we get rid of our cardboard Jesus. That we let him be fully human. That we let him really affect us. That's affect us. Change us. Come and invade us. Invade our being. So that we want to repent the part of us that holds back. The part of me that says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not famous enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not. And when we do that, we sort of become cardboard Christians. 
Because you see, Jesus is saying to us, you are like me. You are like me. I'm human too. Yes, I'm God's son, but I'm human too. And I want you to see what you can be. There won't be peace and justice until there are enough people crying out for peace and justice. There won't be change in how we treat prisoners and refugees until enough people make enough noise for somebody to listen. Don't trade in all the images of John the baptizer. John got people's attention. He made a difference. You and I can learn from that as well as from our Lord. Ponder this. Jesus loves us fiercely. Jesus loves us fiercely. Are we the people of God who are willing to push our comfort zone and love others fiercely? If I have somebody that loves me fiercely, I know I'm going to be protected. I know they're going to watch my back. I know they're going to be there for me. So if I'm called then, in the name of Jesus Christ, to love back fiercely, doesn't that mean I'm supposed to watch other people's backs? Be there for them? If we turn down the invitation, then we have something to repent of. Because we've said, God, I know myself better than you do. That, my friends, is sin. God knows we are strong, wonderful, caring, creative, loving, compassionate people, young and old, all colors of the rainbow, genders, persuasions. We're God's people. That makes us special. Advent is a time to shake out ourselves and our Lord and say, come. Come, Emmanuel. Come to me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Thank you for your fierce love that you're willing for me to share. Amen.